And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to The 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, June 29th. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, Bridgerly all here with you on this Thursday it's a New York baseball kind of day. We didn't plan for that to happen, but a few things changed in the last 24 hours. Domingo Herman threw a perfect game. Mets owner Steve Cohen talked to the media. Yes, an owner talked to the media in the middle of the season, and no one got fired. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other unexpected potential sellers as the trade deadline approaches and time permitting We're going to get into our All-Star Week wish list. That could be players we want to see in the game or the derby or changes to the format, whatever it can be. It is a wide open slate. So we'll begin today with the thing that happened most recently. Domingo Herman threw the 24th perfect game in MLB history. And this is one of those situations where I think the headline on The Athletic summed it up correctly. Domingo Herman, the most imperfect Yankees perfect game pitcher. Of course, Domingo Herman has been suspended 81 games in the past for becoming physically violent with his then-girlfriend after a Yankees gala in 2019. He was suspended earlier this season for a sticky stuff violation in May, and that was after an incident in April in which he was told to wash his hands in the middle of a game. All of this made it very easy for me as I was watching this unfold to just root for all the ways a person can lose a perfect game because I didn't feel like Domingo Herman deserved a place in MLB history that is so unique, like 24 ever like there's just it's such a rare feat but all this is to say you know it's just a, the, the latest frustrating chapter uh, in, a, in a strange strange season yeah and plus I feel like you know the Yankees had lost to Oakland in like some really devastating game before that and I feel like the Yankees needed something positive as weird as this was because you're right you're you're kind of watching it unfold and I was actually watching the Mets debacle which we're going to get into later on in the show and it's like should I feel good about this game should I not feel good about this game I don't know I don't know how to feel right should we say this is really cool that we saw a perfect game and forget everything else is there a right answer I'm not really sure I saw a lot of like mixed reactions um on Twitter to it but I do think the Yankees just really needed something positive because all we've done is talk about Aaron Judge and the underperforming offense and this is at least like something that maybe can kind of springboard them to you know at least some some more consistent play while they wait for him to come back which i don't know when that is i think the government can't keep secrets as well as the new york yankees (laughs) medical staff um but yeah i i I don't really know how to feel about this yeah i mean one of the things that's uh also true about perfect games and no hitters is uh they're not all good (laughs) or like the pitchers that throw them are are not yeah. always the best. I mean, it's random. Philip Humber. Oh yes, like Edwin Jackson's like nine walk no hitter. Yeah, we had uh, we had. Let me see here. Matt Young, uh, Red Sox versus Indians in 1992. Uh, uh, this is a Dallas no on Mother's Day. He had back seven in 2010. walks. <laughs> he called the game. He called Edwin the game Jackson too. had more cool. walks than strikeouts in his. I think perfect games are always more, way more impressive because yeah, you can't. You walk can't walk people. anybody. AJ Burnett yeah. had nine walks in seven Ks. That's uh, crazy. And then there's the Doc Ellis one. He had eight walks in that one. Oh, and then there's one a five inning one. Yeah. No, I mean you know I I, uh, I, I you can't do that with a perfect game, but it just also just means that like um, sometimes the world comes together and produces these things, and you have no control over it. Um, you know, and the 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 biggest part for me was like the A's offense is not very good. You know, and uh, I remember you know was it. 
the Padres when they were bad, um, you know, there was didn't they get no hit a couple times and they didn't have a no hitter and there was this this awful t- period of time where they were just they were rebuilding and they were bad and they kept getting no hit and they didn't have a no hitter and it's like you know it's just it's the cycle of baseball and um, you know I think I hopefully that Herman has learned from those uh, those past things and I think baseball itself um, has learned a little bit about domestic violence and has seemingly um changes policy like it literally changes policy and has been suspending more people and has uh been better about it than it has been in the past so maybe that can be something we can take away from from this uh from this yeah moment. but it was i mean it's at the same time a joyous moment and the the yankees have been uh scuttling you know their their offense you know they i go on the um on i have a radio show with the with the the a's and um, I went on before Brian Hawk, who who writes for about the Yankees, and um, Chris Townsend. I could hear him. He asked me, you know, don't these offenses have a lot in common? I was like, uh, yeah, like right now, yeah, maybe. I mean, because there's three waiver claims out in the outfield for the Yankees, so like, yeah, uh, but not like at the beginning of the season, or not full season. And then he asked Brian the same question. <laughs> so, um, you know, the Yankees are, are hurting. And so, you know, to have a win like this was was great for the Yankees fans. I mean, question, though, for you guys. If Herman doesn't pitch this well, does he get demoted? Someone posed that question to me. It's fair. Yeah, he was not pitching well prior to this. And now it seems like he just stays in the rotation until they get completely healthy, if not even after that point. Um, a lot of people were were saying, oh, the A's are a double-A team. The A's still don't have the worst offense in the league for the season. They might get there. They have the ability to sink to the bottom, but they're still 26th in WRC+. They've found some guys, it's true. Um, yeah. I, I, I think Herman yeah. stays in until Rodon is healthy, probably. I mean... Which is when. I feel like that's another guy who we get, like, tiny incremental updates on. Yeah, and there was another question to me was, uh, do you think the Yankees will be 500 when Aaron Judge returns to the team? And when is that going to be, roughly? They were talking about August, and I I said yes, because, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Harrison Bader's back in center, Uh, the, the, the staff has been pretty good. Um, Volpe is showing signs uh, of of life. He's made a lot more contact recently. He's slow. He, he's not doing as much of a, a leg kick. Uh, he's kind of simplified things to make more contact. Um, and he's shown signs of life. They may make a decision at third base uh, to to go in a different direction. Um, and they have done a good enough job finding guys. Jake Bowers is hitting the ball hard, you know. Um, and Billy McKinney is a credible replacement type player. So they've found okay guys to kind of paper over the problems in the short term. Um, and so I think that they'll, they'll remain above 500. They also, you know, part of the, part of it is they are above 500. So, you know, they're eight games above 500. So they can still, you know, uh, actually this is like, that's like a philosophical question. If they're 44 and 36. Are they eight games of 500 or four? They're eight over 500. All right. So anyway, they're eight. Ah, kind of four, though. Yeah. Like. Because they can lose eight and they'll be at 500. That's okay, how they... there you go. All right. Yeah, that's true. There's a right answer to this one. So there's they're eight games <laughs> over 500. You're right. They have an eight game... Like, they can be eight games below 500 going forward and still be... You know, they can be seven games below 500 going forward and still be, you know... So they, they, they're going to be above 500. And I think they're going to stay in the, in the wild card race. And, you know, I don't think that they're going to... They're in, the, in it for the division anymore. No, nah, there's just so much heat on Brian Cashman right now because it's been just too long for Yankees fans to go without winning a World Series all the way back in 09. It just seems like a lifetime ago for so many Yankees fans. They could, dude. Don't you think they could be a contender though? If like they, if if like let's say Volpe figures it out and Bader's healthy and they get healthy at the right time, and then you get them into a short series, and you know you're looking at uh, you know Cole Severino Rodon, you know. And in the middle of the lineup is Judge, uh, you know, Bader, Torres, Rizzo. Like, I'd be, a li- and, and, and if Stanton is getting going again, like, I'd be afraid of this team in a short series. With the adjustments they made this offseason, and it goes back to even adding Bader late last season, are they a lot better or a little better or the same as they were when they got just swept and 
completely dismantled by the Astros last October. I mean, Carlos Rodon's a big difference maker. He is progressing through his rehab assignment. He's made two starts, I believe, at the double-A level, just under 50 pitches. They're better defensively in a lot of key positions. Catcher, but are they going to are, hit are we top-level pitching? At this juncture right now? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, when, like uh, fully operational. Oh, okay. I would say that, you know, I would say that they're a little better, but I think it's hard to make a case they're a lot better. Right, and the deadline coming up could give them an opportunity to add more to that roster. I think Rodon's really important, getting Luis Severino back to peak form or close to it. Interesting times for the Yankees. Um, By the way, it's scrolling if you're watching on YouTube, but if you're just listening to the podcast version, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-SAFE. You can also text START to 88788 or visit thehotline.org if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to the other team in New York. I don't mean to really dismiss the Mets like this, but Steve Cohen, talk to the media. It's rare, right? You don't usually have owners midseason holding press conferences. Britt, you were there. People were expecting fire and brimstone and firings, and they got none of that. So what, what, what did Steve Cohen say, and what do you think it means for this Mets team as this critical stretch pre-deadline approaches? Yeah, I don't know if people were expecting firings, honestly, guys, because he announced the press conference a day before. And I think if you're going to fire somebody, you don't kind of leave them in limbo for 24 hours. I'm and firing say, you tomorrow. Hey, to- <laughs> yeah, tomorrow I'm going to fire you, but today play hard, yeah. right? So I think it was pretty apparent as soon as he announced it that he was going to have the same kind of, you know, the same kind of thinking and the same kind of quotes as Billy Epler, who had talked the previous day. Um, and, you know, I think what was most interesting that Steve Cohen said is they may not, they may be a seller at the deadline. And I don't think a lot of people anticipated that because he spent so much money on this team that it would seem almost impossible to pivot. However, he made it very clear that he's losing a lot of money and he's not going to throw bad money after the problem. And I thought that that was kind of an important thing because when you look at this team, like, you know, they lost last night in another, like just deflating loss, right? Buck Walter gets ejected. The second time he's been ejected in four games, which I think is calculated. Um, You know, I think he's trying everything he can to kind of get this team going. Um, And, you know, Steve Cohen also mentioned what we've been reporting for years at The Athletic, which is they need a president. They need someone above Billy Epler. Like this was never meant to be a team that Billy Epler came in and saved. And I think there's lots of blame to go around. And I, I think it's admirable that Steve Cohen sat there and took question after question because we never hear from owners. And to me, I think each owner in baseball should once a year have to hold like a state of the union because you are literally responsible for everything. So for Steve Cohen to say, it's on me, I put this team together. And, you know, if we're not going to win, then we're going to sell. Like we're looking for a long-term solution here. And he made it very clear that he doesn't want to be Jordan Steinbrenner because you don't attract people like David Stearns, who the Mets have wanted forever by just firing people mid-season. So he's going to let Epler and Showalter go. He's going to continue to see what they do this season. If they don't turn it around, you know, they are playing like a team where people lose their jobs. So I thought it was refreshing to hear from an owner rather than all of us kind of speculating about what Steve Cohen thinks. Steve Cohen said, I'm Steve Cohen. Here's what I think. And I just think it's it's a more healthy atmosphere all along when an owner of a team is saying straight from me, here's what I got. But still kind of weird because he was kind of like, yeah, I can't fire him now because that would seem reactionary. But I'm probably going to fire him later. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They're safe until the end of the season, based on the comments that were made at that press conference on Wednesday. I can't fire Epler now, 
but I am looking for someone yeah. above him. <laughs> and but, doesn't yeah. sound like fair, he's in the running. <laughs> to be fair, Billy Epler knew that when they hired him, though. Right. They said, we're going to hire someone above you. So it's not like Billy Epler was like, oh, I'm not doing the job right. They want a president. Mm -hmm. No, when they brought him in, they said, listen, we want a GM, but we also want a president. So we're going to do this job and we're going to hire the right person, but it's going to take a little while. David Stearns is still an advisor for the Brewers. Yeah. Now, yeah. So he also, I think, knows if he fires them, Epler and Buck now, David Stearns ain't coming. People aren't going to be like, I want to work there. Right. right. You have to show a little loyalty and you have to be like not hair triggered. But, so I, I agree with you. It, it is odd. It seems like, is there a scenario where both those guys keep their job? Only if they go to the playoffs, I think. Mm. Oh, that'd be strange, right? If they rally back and then you're kind of stuck with the, hey, wait a minute. It worked. We did it. We pulled it together. We had the great second half that we needed. Then Showalter yeah. keeps his job and Apple keeps his job and you still hire someone above it. Yeah, you still <laughs> probably add David Stearns. Yeah. I don't think that's like a we're stuck with these guys. I think that's more like a yay. Like we're actually better than we thought we were going to be. I think Steve Cohen fully understands the reality that you can throw money at the problem in free agency and it doesn't fix the problem long term. You're still going to have flaws. It's an expensive way to try to get better. And the quote that kind of caught me was, if it turns out we don't improve and we're looking at 24 with a similar team, one year older with a veteran team, that's probably not a great place to be. It could get better, but it may not. We have to make those judgments. We have to make honest, truthful judgments. And that, to me, is kind of pointed at some of those veterans like Scherzer, like Verlander. We're already looking at those guys and wondering is time finally catching up to them this season? Are they the kinds of players that teams will still want to trade for? I would argue that because of the lack of pitching, especially, and really long track records of Hall of Fame resumes, the answer is a resounding yes, especially because it sounds like Steve Cohen is perfectly willing to pay down salaries like they just did with the Eduardo Escobar trade to improve the quality of the players coming back. So I think you can look at the Mets if this continues to trend in its current direction as a team that actually has a handful of pretty interesting players to move, albeit guys that are a little older. And it makes sense, given that they're trying to change a lot about this organization in the long term. You wouldn't want to run it back with this roster again in 2024 if it falls short in 2023. Yeah, you know, the long term plan, and I think he's referenced this, is a lot like the Dodgers. And when the Dodgers uh, started off, you know, towards this, uh, the place they are now, I think the big idea was spend a lot on free agents at the top end, but spend a lot of energy, time, and money on the player development system. And I think what you're seeing now is the culmination of that Dodgers uh, process where you do have the Mookie Betts. You know, you do have uh, the Freddie Freemans. But you also have the Miguel Vargas and the Will Smith and the and the Bobby Millers. You have these like these cheap like players that are produced um, that I think are super important. Now I, I did some research a little bit about back, and I said like, well, how many players is a core? Like, how many young cheap players is a core that you can win with? It wasn't even that much. Three, three or three? four. Here's the problem. Really? Do the Mets have that? And. Hmm. I was. It's a little bit more obvious when you talk about the Padres. The Padres don't have that. Whoa, the Padres whoa, do whoa, not whoa. have. You wouldn't, you wouldn't call that main four a core. Uh, Bogart, I think Machado, my, Tatis, Soto. I think I had like an age limit of like twenty five or something, or twenty four, twenty five. Like, hmm. and oh. and I think the way I think of it is cheap. Well, the Mets have those trio of rookies. That's what I'm saying. In New York, you kind of, you could see it. You could see it. The hitters, the Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, like, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, uh, uh, there's definitely some youth there that can work um, on the hitting side. But I think what, I think what the struggle is in New York is the pitching side. You look at David Peterson struggling, you look at Tyler Megill struggling, and if those guys had stepped in and given you kind of what young Dodgers pitchers have given this year, if they'd come in and just been like, even just league average or a little bit better than league average, I think it would be a different story for the Mets. Because when you have Verlander and Scherzer at the top, it's super important to have a young guy who's ready to con contribute when those guys need 15 days. You know what I mean? And, uh, and they haven't had that. Um, and I think in both cases, in San Diego and New York, maybe the idea was spend a lot at the top and try to improve underneath. I've seen more evidence of it in New York. They've hired a lot of interesting names. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on under the hood. I think it takes time. Of it course, takes time yeah. to turn player development around. You have 100 coaches. You have 100 coaches and personnel in the minor leagues. You're going to have to fire some. 
Some are good. Some tell you, some speak a good game, but are terrible behind your back. You know, like you have to figure out a lot of stuff and it takes, it's like a tanker. You got to turn and uh, they're in the middle of turning that tanker, but but uh, but they're stuck with this stuff at the top. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that it'll mostly be cosmetic changes. I mean, Eduardo Escobar, that's easy to do. Carlos Carrasco, if anybody wants him, that's easy to do. David Robertson, not yeah. under contract the year. That's easy to do. Tommy Pham, he's playing well. If somebody wants Tommy Pham, that's easy to do. I think it'd be harder to trade Scherzer and Verlander or Scherzer or Verlander and and think that next year you're going to put together a good team that could challenge for the wild card. Right. I think it's more about getting controllable pitching back. If you're going to pay down some salary, you may be able to get controllable either near big league ready starters or or younger like back end starters that could become bigger parts of your rotation. But even if you do that, you need to have good player development and coaching in place to make those guys good. <laughs> yep. So yeah. are they is are you confident enough in our player development as it is now and our coaching as it is now to go get these young close to the big league starters and be like, "Oh yeah, if we put them in our coaching mix right now, they're ready to go." Like there's something going on in San Francisco which is weird and we we can't ever figure it out. But one of the, the way I see it is we know we have great coaching and if we take a, like a 28-year-old who's decent, we can make him play to the best of his abilities. Does that describe the Giants? Like kind of does. You know, take yeah. like 28 to 30 year olds, stick them in there and suddenly they're good. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, so they know what they're doing and they know what to acquire and they know how to, to make the best out of it. The Mets, uh, I think, are just in the like I said, the middle of, of turning the tanker. So it's it's uh, it's difficult to, to sort of see what their future is. If you look at Scherzer and Verlander, you know, then part of the story, whether you trade them or not, is if the Mets are going to get back into the mix for a, a playoff spot, it's those guys pitching more like the previous versions of themselves, given their age, given the injuries they've dealt with that have cost them time, and uh, even maybe the pitch clock to some degree being a factor that's made them less effective. Can they, yeah, can they have good second halves? Yeah. Mostly under the hood, it, it's mostly still good news. Like, you know, Scherzer's uh, swing strike rate is the same it's been in a long time. Um, you know, Justin Verlander still getting whiffs, uh, you know, not quite the same amount of strikeouts, but... Uh, I think under the hood, there's a lot of similarities to where they were in the past. They can pitch to the back of their baseball cards. You know, could you look up? So someone told me today that the Mets are ninth in hard hit percentage right now, which would suggest that apparently the line, I mean, no one, everyone talks about the pitching. We've talked about it too, but the lineup, when they score four or more runs, their, their record is, is really good. Um, no one has talked about how every single person in that lineup has regressed. Maybe Pete Alonso's power now. has been there. Okay. So ninth is is not it was someone with the Mets. So I wasn't sure if they were like you know greasing it a little. Clearly I mean, it, they were. It's 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 above average, but it's not like one of the best five teams in the league. And they spent a lot on that lineup, right? Right. So like to me, like yes, the pitching is obviously what this team was built on. But if they were just scoring, like you know, three or four runs uh, with a more consistent basis, they would win. They would win a lot more games, and we probably they'd probably be a five hundred team, right? We wouldn't be sitting here saying is the sky falling falling around them. I think. The lineup deserves a lot of the blame as well. It's just not something people talk about as much because you're so blinded by these stars. Some of them the aged. Verlanders. Seemed to age really fast. Like Starling Marte just seemed to age yes. in front of our eyes uh, somehow. Um, yeah. And Francisco Lindor, like he's been, he's been, he's been fine and he's good. I'm not saying he's bad, but there, there does seem to be like a new level. Like with Cleveland, he was more like a guy who was 20 to 30 percent better than league average with a stick. Now he seems to be a guy who's more like five to ten percent better than league average of the stick, and that's fine. But you know, you spend a lot of money there, and it's you know that is regression. I think when you look at rest of season projections for the Mets, they're pretty interesting from an individual perspective. Pete Alonso still projected to be their best overall hitter, one thirty six WRC plus twenty home runs in the next seventy six games. Typical Pete Alonso stuff, as long as his hand is healthy. Nimmo well over twenty percent above league average. Lindor twenty percent better than league average, so better than he's been so far. Fam, I think you can assume that there's a very good chance he gets traded, but he's actually, along with Daniel Vogelbach, the next two best hitters in their projections. Canna, Alvarez, Starling Marte still projects as an above-average hitter the rest of the way. I have a hard time seeing it, given his age and how he's looked so far, but health could be a part of why he hasn't played well. So maybe some time off around the break kind of recharges him, gets him back in the second half. 
Jeff McNeil is a solid everyday player. And then the young guys, will some combination of Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, who's down right now, Ronnie Mauricio, who hasn't come up yet, will some combination of those guys step up? Right, like there's a few ways that this lineup can get better. Some of it's veterans getting back to previous levels, and some of it's young guys kind of finding their stride in the second half of the season. No single one of these deals is terrible. You know, like there's no, there's no like, oh my god, they're like Albert Pujols with the Angels or whatever. You know, like there's no Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera second. You know, that second, the second Miguel Cabrera deal. The first one was actually really good. The second, yes. the second Miguel Cabrera deal, I think they got like two wins above replacement for like $200 million. So that was like, it's like one of the worst. But um, I don't think that any single deal that they made was bad, but a lot of them edged towards overpays. Like, you know, Jeff McNeil is a 31-year-old uh, player who, you know, uh, relies a lot on singles. You know, like he he's not a guy who hits for power. Not a guy who walks a ton. So here's a guy who relies a lot on singles to be good. The years that he hits singles, he's good. The years that he doesn't, he's bad. And this is one of the years where he's not hitting singles again. And, you know, he's 31. You gave him $50 million, you know. And, you know, the same thing can be said for uh, Starling Marte, where not necessarily the singles bit, but he's 34 years old. Uh, and you gave him $80 million for four years. And... uh so there's, you know, a lot of these deals just sort of edge towards the too much. And then you put them all on one team and you're like, hmm. I mean, at least he doesn't have three $300 million guys out there. You mean that's a, a bad thing to do to yourself? Well, you're alluding to the Padres, right? So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who else has three $300 yeah, right. <laughs> No one yet. It'll happen. It'll it's happen fine. more it's in the future. It's true. Ultimately, good for the players, it's a question of whether or not it actually messes you up if you end up running into various financial constraints that are often self Well, if he says he's losing money, then like... Well, yeah, he's... And how, how long is Steve Cohen going to happily lose money? Not long. In San Diego, the regional TV deal fell apart. And as we've talked about on this show before, that's a really important sort of baseline. Hey, this money, we know it's coming in. We can spend at least this much on payroll. They're at least selling out, you know, in the stadium, so. Yeah, and I think we've learned yeah. that matters a little less than many of us thought it did a long time ago. But right. Major League Baseball is going to send the Padres at least 80% of the money they were owed by Bally Sports. But at least 80% isn't necessarily 100%. And it just sounds like there's there's an internal pressure now to potentially, if things continue going the direction they're going in San Diego... Maybe shed some payroll at the trade deadline. I mean, are we going to see Juan Soto get traded at two consecutive deadlines? Are we going to see Josh Hader and some of the other guys who aren't there on those long-term deals actually get moved as the Padres sort of have to walk it back a little bit and get their payroll back down into, I don't know, some some other tier? <laughs> it just seems like they're in a position right now where the numbers aren't lining up the way ownership wants them to and performance hasn't been there. Is that really shedding real money? I mean... Uh, you know, trading Juan Soto takes maybe, you know, 25, $27 million off of the roster for next year. Okay. I mean, it takes a really good player off of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't take, you know, Jay Cronenworth seven years, 80 million off or which is a smaller number. (laughs) There are the bigger numbers. And I don't think, you know, I don't think people will trade for Manny Machado or Xander Bogarts. Probably not. I I think the problem I have with the Padres, if you look at what they've done over the past year plus, and it's been really exciting, Xander Bogarts, I know he hasn't been himself to this point, and he could still bounce back. This is not about a performance thing with Xander Bogarts as much as it was a, that was the extra thing they did that they didn't necessarily have to do, right? Going out there and and getting him on an 11-year deal. They could have done something smaller. And it would have been okay. They've done that a lot. You Darvish, they extended for six years at thirty-five, at 36 years old. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Jake Cronenworth is a good player when he's cheap. You give him seven years, $80 million, you put pressure on him to be better than he's been. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it's similar to the Mets, right? It's like, how much do you blame Bob Melvin? Did that guy all of a sudden forget how to manage? Or is this a flawed roster construction by A.J. Preller? I think it's the latter, 10 times out of 10. Managers are firewalls. Yeah. Managers are the guys you fire so you don't get fired yourself. Exactly. 
And I mean, that's kind of the same thing going on in the Mets, right? Like the other night, Buck had three relievers in the bullpen who weren't even on the opening day roster. Is that his fault? Yeah. I mean, Jake Cronenworth, I feel bad picking on this guy. He's just about to enter (laughs) next year is the first year of that seven-year $80 million extension. He is a replacement-level player by war in the first half of this season. He's already 29 years old. What was the urgency in giving him an extension right now? Yeah, I mean, even last year, he was only 9% better with a stick. So, you you know, when you sign that deal, you have a 28-year-old that was 9% better than league average with a stick. It's like, okay, like, I need to give that guy $80 million. Are they going to tear this down as fast as they built it up? I mean, I don't think so. You can't. As Eno said, you can't. You can't. I would say probably, I would say yes, actually, because the first time they did it, they they got a whole bunch of players and they tore it down really quickly. Remember the whole Matt Kemp, like... You know, Craig Kimbrell, just that was a weird little thing with new ownership who's, pushing in too who's soon. Who's taking on these money? That's what I'm saying. Who's yeah, I don't on, think no, I don't think happening. anybody's like, I mean, yes, somebody would take Tatis off your hands, but they probably wouldn't give you that much because they'd be like, hey, I got to pay him $300 million. So I'll give you a couple prospects. But didn't we at the time that that extension was signed suggest that it could end up being a, a big positive for the Padres that they could get 450 or $500 million worth of of performance in terms of war and, and just on-field value. Like that's, it's so strange how fast things change. Uh, and that could still be possible because Chatis has actually come back and, and played amazingly. Uh, although he's not going to get as many wins if he's not shortstop, but like he's, he's projected to finish near seven wins. So like he's, he didn't really miss a beat. Yeah, he did miss a year, of teams interested. <laughs> He's also the epitome, though, of what I think is sometimes just too much running of these young guys up the flagpole before they've done anything. Right. Like he played like a half a season and people were like, this is the best, most exciting player in baseball. And it's like, let's let's see him. But he's not the worst contract on the team is all I'm saying. No, he's not. In fact, I think he'd be the most movable big contract on the team. Well, certainly. I mean, he's also the youngest. Yeah, that's an easy, easy call. I think that he'd be the easiest player from the trade. I think there'd be tons of teams that'd still be interested despite everything that's happened up to this point with injuries and suspensions and. Uh, the other the other idea is in both these places is trade the guys who aren't nailed down. So that would be in San Diego. That'd be Blake Snell. Um, you know, maybe Luis Garcia as a reliever for somebody. Uh, and Jen, then Josh Hader and maybe Juan Soto, even though you have him for next year. Those guys would bring you, you something. Juan Soto. Would you trade Juan Soto given everything you gave up? You you gutted your farm system for Juan Soto. And, and again, it's the same question as it is in New York. If you trade Juan Soto, why are you better next year? Right. What are you getting back? I, I think, are you, how similar of a package can you get back trading Soto a year later with one less year of control remaining? And your, and your needs would be different. Cause when you traded for Soto, you were trading young players you don't need right now. But if you want to be good next year, you'd have to trade Juan Soto for young players that are in the big leagues. And who has the kind of talent, young talent on their big league roster? It's almost Wants like they've got too many guys. D-backs. Oh, oh, D-backs, Reds. It's unexpected D-backs, places you want an again. Outfielder, you want an outfielder, D-backs, you give them like, I don't know, Jake McCarthy or Alec Thomas. But does, like, if you're the Padres, that you're like, doesn't okay. doesn't change anything. Okay, so next year we have Jake McCarthy out there and he's cheaper. And we maybe get a second piece. Jake McCarthy and an arm. And so we, then we get For an extra Juan Soto? Arm. No. No. I think we can, we can cross the Juan Soto off the, the, the trade board. Also, you have to remember that AJ Preller was obsessed with Juan Soto. Yeah. He's not just going to trade him again. Like he, this was his like white whale. He wanted Juan Soto. They wanted to sign Juan Soto as an international prospect. So no, just because we're sitting here like kind of speculating, I just don't think that there's any chance AJ Preller is going to say, "Yeah, we got to get rid of him." Makes no sense. It doesn't sound like AJ Preller. Yes. No, I think it's the guys that aren't there beyond this season. I think he's more likely to make a small buy or two. He already went all in. He pushed his ships all in. They're kind of like the Mets, where it's like. I think that they don't sell either. I think that they kind of hold steady and see. I don't think the Mets fire sale, though. I do think Scherzer wants to win and that he would say, hey, trade me if you're going to sell. If the team isn't going to win. Send me somewhere else. Yeah, Scherzer has again. some has some power and some voice for sure. <laughs> um, but I also think the creation of that third wild card makes everyone like believers, even right. when like the Padres are seven and eight and a half out. All you need to look at is the Cincinnati Reds. It's a, the, you know, the Padres haven't won four in a row. Let's say the Padres win yeah. four in a row. They're 41 and 43. There's no way he's selling. Nope. And, and and even the Mets. The Mets win four in a row. They're 40 and 44. I think they say, hey, we're pretty close. Let's win another four in a row and, and, and we'll get there. 
And it's not like the Marlins are unassailable. You know, the Marlins are the first wild card. You know, th- that's not a perfect team. And then the second wild card right now is the Giants, and nobody nobody can figure them out. So I certainly I can't. I've admitted that <laughs> many times. I certainly can't. I can't name half the team. That's you know, right. put me on the spot last week. <laughs> God. I don't know how, how they do it. It's impressive. Uh, we've talked about it many, many times. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's shift the focus to All-Star Week. I want to ask each of you, what is on your All-Star Week wish list? It could be anything. Modifications to formats. It could be particular players that you want to see involved in either the derby or the game. Anything. The floor is wide open. Britt? I'll let you have the first swing at it. I want Ellie De La Cruz. Just everywhere. You want him in the game, in the derby? Everywhere. I mean, I want I want to see him like do calisthenics too. I mean, the guy <laughs> is just, it, it's unbelievable. Are you suggesting like a sort of a, a wild card where somebody, like the manager gets to pick a couple of hitters too or something? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, like, and I thought Ken Rosenthal had a great idea in his column today. Like Manfred gets to pick these legacy picks, like pool hosts and these older players. Well, shouldn't he also maybe have the ability to pick younger players? The game has never been younger. You look around and there are like, you know, I'm going to write this soon. So might as well spill the tea. There's like two or three players on every team that were born in like 2003. And you're like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> um, so, right? so the game has never been younger. So I think, you know, just because these guys maybe didn't have full first halves, if they're young and they're exciting and they're attracting eyeballs, like LED La Cruz is like a must watch pretty much every night. Then I think that there should be some kind of wiggle room here where you're like, yeah, let's invite that like guy. Gunnar Henderson in Baltimore. A rookie but pick. Yeah. Uh, a rookie pick. Or a rookie game. Like a, like a future stars game. But honestly, for future... honestly, you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, there's enough young players. I wonder if you could have like a short it. game because it's hard. It's hard. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty packed week. I mean, you're, you're, you're set to go. It's pretty packed. There's, I mean, I, I also wondered like, are we getting that much juice out of the celebrity softball game? No. No, 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 Do you think anybody outside of baseball watches that? I don't think people inside baseball watch it. I don't think anybody watches it. I don't watch it. It's useless. Is anybody like, oh, I love Nelly. I'm going to watch Nelly play in the... Do you think that Uh, happens? No. Well, they never get get big enough celebrities that I'm like, yeah, I really want to go to this so I can meet so-and-so. It's always like fringy people. I I think you could axe that and maybe have a rookie game. Like, yeah, you got Taylor Swift. They have a rookie game in 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 the... Yeah, in the NBA, they have a rookie game. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think you could have an or entire Taylor team. Or Swift, then people will I watch. You, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the game doesn't matter at all anymore, why not have an under 25 team play an old over 25 team? Yeah, see, that was where I was. The olds versus the youngs. That's where my head was going. I was also thinking, you know, capture some of the magic of the WBC. And I don't, Ooh. like, maybe World versus USA or. I like that. You know, like, uh, Captains, you know, Shohei. Versus somebody, you know, uh, that are captains. Like Shohei and Acuna are As captains. Like kind of a draft, yeah. Whoever's yeah, kind pick, of leading you know, the... They pick team, play teams or something. I don't know. I mean, they're obviously other te- other sports are having the same problem that uh, MLB does, which is the All-Star game is not that much fun or not that many people no. watch it. And it kind of seems like old. And so 
like football, I think nobody really watches that one. Uh, basketball is like semi-successful, but I think people, it's almost like baseball where the people like the dunk contest maybe better than the actual game. People like the home run derby maybe better than the actual game. But at least basketball, yeah. I would say, has been playing with the format some. With the They've been doing picking teams and team LeBron, team Curry. Like they've been kind of trying to change it up. And I think... Yeah, I think the actual game itself is where and, uh, you know, we've talked about stuff in the past about like, oh, should we have a skills competition? But I, I don't know. That might be out the door. Like people got hurt doing it. Nobody yeah. wants to risk their, you know, nobody wants to risk yeah. their outfielder's arm, you know, trying to throw 100 yeah. out of the outfield. I want to see a guy throw lasers into a garbage can from the warning track. That's what I want to see. Like, I would eh, love to not see really. that. But I don't think they're going to let that happen. Yeah, I don't want to see someone you blow can- out a shoulder doing it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, you've got to find a way to like up the trash talk within the players. So I like the idea of like captains, like you name Trout and Otani, right? <sighs> and then you just have these guys like, you know, you do these fun interviews where they're talking trash and then you televise them picking teams and everyone's all like, like I don't know how you can do it, but everyone goes to the All-Star game on Monday and they still don't know what team they're on. And then you televise Otani and Trout just picking their teams. I think people would tune into that. Yeah, so you, you might, have to, the players yeah. To, like, oh God, might have to get the players to say yes, but uh, yeah, like I know, but like it would be like an you'd hour still show. be an all star, like you'd be still selected as an all star, and you go and you're an all star, but you don't know what team you're on. Correct. Oh, so you vote people in that way, okay? Then you got all this trash talking because it's like Trout versus. And then it's Otani. not as big a deal if if the owners if, if the if Manfred says okay, I'm putting Ellie in and then I'm putting Gunner in. And I'm just putting them in. And it's like, well, cool. The, the young guys are an all-star and they don't even know what team they're on. And so it doesn't matter if one's way better than the other. And they just get picked right. when they get picked. And It would be so fun. I would watch that show. I know you guys would watch that show. And then you mic up a couple of the more fun players. Mm-hmm. It'd be it might be fun to even make, you know, because Trout and Otani, you know, I don't know if they're the best ones to mic up. It'd be kind of fun if you yeah. picked the, the people who were the uh, leaders. I guess it would be like vote, like it would normally be the vote winners, right? So it would be like Otani and Acuna right now, I think, um, which is fine. Uh, but it'd be interesting if like you were like, no, we're just going to pick like Ozzy Albies and, you know, what I mean? like some people that are like yeah. talk a lot, you know, like it's going to be Lindor yeah. is a captain on this side. And you know, just somebody who'd like, yeah. who would be mic'd Pretty up Freeman. and would be funny as hell, you know, <laughs> like make it, yeah. make it into a thing where they're all talking the whole time. And then you get these guys that are like, oh, like this, like, oh, this, like uh, Trout picked all these other guys. And now it's like, this is like Team Dominican because there's Manny and there's, yeah, the team, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. these, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I think the event that continues to get less attention than it deserves is the Futures game. If you look back at the rosters from 2022, so many players who appeared in that game have debuted in the time since. I mean, Corbin Carroll played in that game a year ago, Yuri Perez, Taj Bradley, Hunter Brown. Brian Bayo. It's one of my, it's like, I, I would Miller. rank it home run derby one, futures game two, all-star game three, celebrity softball game 452. All these guys, Ellie De La Cruz, <laughs> Jordan Walker, Gunnar Henderson. I think the all-star game format is the problem. Don't play it like a traditional nine inning game. Play it no. where each inning, banana ball. more like a banana ball. Like take some of the things I you agree. like about banana ball. Like, yeah, still run the bases the normal way. And you know, that'd be funny if they just all that kind of stuff. Ball. Yeah, play banana ball. Also, let them ha- wear the jerseys of their team. Small thing, but like in our scenario where we have captains, they're all wearing their team jerseys. Like if the game doesn't matter anymore, why are we still playing this ALNL? Like there's any kind of rivalry. There's not. Yeah, if you do captains, there's you could have maybe just like an armband, like team yellow, team yeah. red or whatever. Team yellow, team red. No, totally. Bring your home and you're away. That's all you got to do. And just, just pack That's two true. jerseys. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really but easy it's like, to do that. You know, there's no rivalry at all. They used to play for home field advantage. Like, wh- why are we still playing an ALNL? It just seems like, who cares? I think the other rule that I am not in on is the requirement that every team has an all-star. I just don't think that gets people to tune in. I think you either watch the game because you enjoy it or you don't because you don't care about it. It's that simple. You either make it exciting because it's a showcase of the game's most exciting players or it's not. I think the other weird thing about it is it seems like it's always just the best players from the first half of the season. It's like when the All-Star game rosters are built, the second half of the previous season doesn't matter. But I feel like the All-Star game, every year when it comes up, should be a snapshot of the best and most exciting players in the game at that time. It's like a time capsule. Here are the players that are the most exciting and most talented right now. 
and then each year we do it again. That's just recency bias. You're going to have fans vote. They're just going to they're going to look at they're going to look up a couple stats. You know, if they don't know who the players, and they're just going to vote for who they've been seeing on the on the highlight reels. So dumb. That also though hurts the young players, Derek. If you're saying, "Oh, second half of last season, Words they didn't play," like, then you're never getting Ellie. Then you're never getting guys like Henderson and Ellie De La Cruz and stuff because it's like, well, geez, this guy's been up here for a month. Like, you know, we're evaluating based on last July. Carroll's you know? in. Corbin Carroll's in for sure. You know, I think I do agree with you on the every team though. Like, I remember some of the bad Orioles teams I covered. They would like send a reliever, right? And you're just like Jason Birkin and Ty Wigington. It's like, are we watering down what an All Star is? Because these guys get paid to be in the All Star game. They get like. 50, 100 grand, whatever it is. If you're an Orioles fan, are you like gonna, are you really gonna like tune in to watch Ty Wigginton? No, you don't not. think so. And lots of times those guys don't even get they in. Don't, or they, they do they're, like, they're the last player on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. That's my other main issue is like back when it used to mean something, the game had at least a little feel of like we're trying to win. Now it's just nonsense. So why not play banana ball? Yeah. Lean into the nonsense if you're not gonna, if it's yes. not gonna be meaningful. Yeah. Just lean in. Just have like a guy. Like I would kill to see a guy come out on stilts. Like they did. It's kind of an ant. <laughs> oh man! You know what I'd love is I love the um, the dances where the shortstop and the second baseman are coordinated with the with the pitcher, and they'll yes. do like a whole dance, and then out of that comes the ball. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. Yeah. It's like a it's and like a TikTok dance with the ball coming out. <laughs> yes, and then. You vote like a player of the game and then like a talent of the game or whatever like really lean into the the oddity of the tiktok dance of the game (laughs) yeah like i want to know who can do if someone can do backflips if tatis or acuna can do backflips i want to see do backflip on the field (laughs) it'd be funny if they did it and somebody and then somebody runs out with a with a reporter (laughs) like oh we've awarded you the 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 ozzy smith the ozzy smith like backflip of the game award (laughs) yes like they should just lean into how weird it is because like i think they kind of did the year they had like the selfies and they had like uh-huh. you know, people they've like, tried some so things awesome. yeah yeah like just keep kind of leaning into that and remember that this isn't a baseball game this is like just a celebration of the sport right right the second they got rid of the home field advantage and it's not meaning anything they should have just kind of blown up the way they viewed and when it, it's fundamentally different when people aren't trying yeah and you know what like I think the whole thing should be crazy. Like, get Adam Wainwright to sing the anthem. Get another player to, like, play a trumpet if that's what he does. Right. Like, let's just see these guys in a cool way. Yeah. Get Trevor May to bring some scones to the yard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's see what everybody's got you know? in terms of, of talent. Right. Yeah. Let them bring their exactly. dogs. <laughs> I mean, you could get... You could get crazy. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, to me, you guys are right. The celebrity softball game. I'd rather watch the MLB red carpet show, which I think is underrated. The fashion that, show. That, that, that's uh, what you're talking about. Because you get to see yeah. them, how you, they dress themselves. I actually enjoy exactly. that one a lot. That is. I do, too. Who shows Who shows so much skin? Who, who shows the most skin? Danny Machado wears like, the suit with like nothing underneath yeah. it. People are like, that's style, Who shows the style. most bling? It's the Jamie <laughs> yes. Tart. Right. Like to me, that's just like the more fun part of the game that they should just lean into all the way into it. And also get get rid of the draft around the All-Star. Yeah. This it, is mo- maybe the most annoying thing they've ever done. I can't find a single person in baseball thinks it's a good idea. And it just overshadows the draft. And it also makes everybody in baseball work so hard over the only break yes. they used to have. during The, the draft should be like this weekend. It should be today. It should be day one of the draft. The College World Series is over. It's yes. in front of the All Star break. It would be its own standalone event. And then, and the, and then, and then your 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 front offices could work this. And when it's over, take a break before they have to do all the trade deadline stuff. Imagine that. It just marginalizes the draft, where I don't even pay attention to the draft, and I'm in baseball um, because there's too much other stuff going on. The futures game is like that too. The draft itself pushes you to do that because, you know is it even worth knowing people after the third round? I mean, it's like one guy, one or two guys every round after that, you know, it actually gets to the big leagues. I think the one thing that gives me just a little bit of optimism is that the changes they made to the home run derby a few years back, the bracket format, the head to head, that's been good. It's so much better than it used to be that that gives me hope that one day they will actually change the format of the all-star game itself to make that exciting in its own way. I hope we can see it. They're doing some things right, right? Poppy in the dugout asking questions. Yeah. Loved that. That was great. Alec Manoa, oh man, he was mic'd up. He was great mic'd up last year on the mound. That was fantastic. That was really More of fun that. because you actually got to see them talk through a plate appearance. 
you know, yep. stuff that you never got to net to see. And yes, they can do it because it doesn't matter, but that's great. It still gives you a sense of what's happening. Yeah. And you're right. I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about is what they did in the home run derby in terms of like, you know, getting more players on the field, making it more like more of a celebration, making it faster, making it less like baseball. I mean, it's got a timer. I mean, now we have timers in baseball, but you know, at the time it was a, uh, it was a big difference from, from before. And I think, uh, you know, the, the same kind of energy can be brought to the, to the, to the game. Make the futures game nine innings. They changed it to seven innings. I think back in 2019, you just add a couple pitchers if you have to. Why would you shorten that game? Oh, it's because of the celebrity softball game. You got to get both things on the same day. Curse you, celebrity softball game. The futures game should be its own event. Have it like dirt, like have it kick off the draft or have it like, I don't know, have it just be like this separate event where people are like, these are really exciting top prospects, but there's so much going on that I'm just like an overstimulated kid and I have to like sit in a room because I can't handle all the things going on. That's how I feel about All Star Week now. Yeah, I always feel like I'm missing something. I'm always looking at my phone and being like, what's on the schedule right now? Whoa. Yeah. There you go. Make the most of it. Spread it out a little bit more. Lots of ways to do that, baseball. Your move. We are going to sign off on our way out the door. A reminder, you can get a subscription to The Athletic for a dollar a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show on Twitter. Britt is at Britt underscore Giroli. Eno is at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. I always got the green light here. Green light 3-0 and she's gone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.